0: Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well we are, as you can see, we're pretty excited about Easter. And really here's the heart behind it. We really wanna reach this community for Jesus. That's why we're going through all this trouble of of, Easter egg hunts and all of this stuff. It's it's not to entertain our children per se. Yeah, they're gonna get to have fun and all. But we want to reach this neighborhood. There, there's, there's literally thousands of apartments all around this area here, and we're going to just love on our community and, and, uh, and, and do what we're called to do as a church. Does that sound good? That's what we're all about here. And, you know, uh, we are celebrating the fact that he resurrected. In fact, I was in Israel a few years ago, and I actually went into the tomb of Jesus. And did you know something? He wasn't there. He wasn't there. In fact, on the, on the wall, it says, He is not here, for he has risen, in the words of the angel. And so, so uh, we're, it, you know, the debate isn't whether or not Jesus came. The question that we really want to answer is, why did he come? And as we're, as we're just a few weeks away, I, I really want to meditate on that question for a while. Those of you that are followers of Jesus, this will be a good reminder. For those of you in this room that aren't, I, I want to I answer that question today. Why did Jesus come for us? And in fact, Jesus himself answers this question. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is where I'm going to spend pretty much the entire time. Luke chapter 19. Why did he come? Jesus answers this in verse 10. It says, "For the Son of man, he's speaking in the third person here, it's referring to himself, for the Son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost." Some would say lost. So Jesus came to save with that which was lost. That was me, that was you. He came for the lost. And I think that his death and resurrection are best celebrated when we do it with the full understanding of why Jesus came? Why did he come? And I want to look at that why today. And I want to do it in the context of his very own words. In fact, in this passage, we read about a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, We're going to work backwards here because Jesus makes this statement, but there's a reason why he makes this statement. There's the story of this man named Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus, the little man who climbed up in the sycamore tree? For the Lord he wanted to see. We used to sing this. As the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm coming to your house today. For I'm coming to your house today. I know that's old school, but I I grew up in Sunday school, and and that and that and that is kind of how that song went. Maybe you remember that story. The overall picture here is, you know, this dude named Zacchaeus often gets kind of a bad rap, and honestly, for stuff that he may not have even known he was getting himself into. Have you ever been labeled something that you didn't even realize you were being labeled because you didn't realize you were doing something to get that label? (laughs) And you're like, wait a second, that was not my intentions. I grew up in a neighborhood here in Tacoma where there was a lot of neighborhood kids, and uh, everyone kind of knew each other, and this is Back in the day when you could just kind of, you know, run the streets. I mean, I, the, the stuff that my mom let me do on our bicycles. I mean, we, I lived on the west side of Tacoma, and like, I mean, we'd end up in like Gig Harbor at times. Like, you know, I'm like a kid. You know what I mean? So it was like, so it was just a different day. But we used to run the neighborhood, and, and there was one family, and they were called the Robertsons. Robertsons were a good uh, Christian family, and I used to play with their boys. One of their boys' name was Brandon. Brandon was just a few years younger than me, and I probably at the time was probably nine. He would have been seven. And I'll never forget the day he and the whole neighborhood gang came running over to my house, and they said, hey, JF, my dad needs some help. And I said, well, what does he need? He said, well, he needs us to cut down one of his trees. And I said okay. And I'm kind of laughing because my friend Blue's here, and that was like our favorite thing to do way out in the woods in Gig Harbor was chop down little, you know, with a with little hat, 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 it was a hatchet, hatchet. That's the word, hatchet. We could never really do it though. We'd hack away, but we couldn't really do it. But anyways, he said, he said, my dad's got a tree. it has got to come down. And I said, really? I think I can help with that, you know? So I went down to the street, and I said, well, where's, where's Mr. Robertson at? Where, where's he at? And he's like, oh, well, he's not here right now. I so said, where's he at? Well, he's, he's not, he's not going to be back till later on. And he just told us to go ahead and chop it down. And it was this beautiful tree, like, right in the front of their yard. I'm talking like, I mean, it was like, you know where I'm going with this. And it was just, I mean, it was beautiful, you know. And I said, well, who's got the axe? And he said, well, here it is, hatchet, you know. And I said, why don't you go first? He's like, no, 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 you you do it, you know? I'm like, well, you get it started, and then we'll see how it goes. A whole, I mean, there's like 15 kids standing around, you know? I'm like, give me that thing, and I got to tell you, I went to town on this tree, and it was like something out of timber. The thing felt right, this beautiful yard, you know? I mean, just beautiful tree, just laying on its side. I was like, all right, well, the work here is done, and I just took back to my house. About three hours later, Mr. Robertson, boom, 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 boom. I opened the door, and I said, did you like what we did with the tree? And he was like, how could you do that? I said, well, and Brandon standing behind Mr. Robertson. I said, come on, man, Brandon, he told me to do it. And he looked, did you tell, I didn't tell him to do that, Dad, you know? And I was like, what are you talking about? And and I was like, well, I'm so sorry. I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do. And he's like, I can't believe you did that. And kind of got back and forth at me and stuff and kind of went through the neighborhood. And for about the next four or five years, I was labeled as the tree killer. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Tree killer? I thought I was just doing what you asked me to do. I didn't really sign up. For this whatsoever, and you know, just like me, Zacchaeus was labeled something that, in fact, he probably didn't even realize he was doing anything wrong. And so, I want to I want to highlight three areas of his life that point us back to why Jesus came. Because the verse I just read at the beginning of this sermon is really the the end of this story. And you'll see how this all flows together. But if you're taking notes, three areas of this story of Zacchaeus that point back to why Jesus came. Here's the first area of Zacchaeus' story I want to look at today. And write this down. Number one, Jesus' narration. Yeah, it's on the screen right there. Write that down. Jesus' narration. Let's go to the text. 19th chapter of the book of Luke. Luke. Verses 1 and 2. He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Let's stop right there. Let me give you a little bit of background about tax collection in Jesus' time. In the Western church, we usually always preach that tax collectors... Were thieves, they were swindlers, they were robbers, they had a bad reputation of ripping off the local people, they were shunned, and there definitely is some truth to that. But not all of them were actually like this. Let me give you a little context here. Jericho was known as the city of priests. That's where the Sadducees worked from. The Sadducees were a group of religious priests, but they were very connected politically. They were part of the Sanhedrin, so they had political power, but they're they also kind of like the religious pastors of the town, and, and not like, like um, benevolent, graceful ones, like, stop doing that! I saw that, kind of, kind of that type of mint this is who kind of the Sadducees were, and they kind of had this reputation. And one thing is is that they had to remain clean, all the time to do their work in and within the temple. You say, "What are you talking about? Well, I don't mean like physically clean, like, like a spiritual cleanliness. They had to stay clean at all times. So for instance, they could never touch a foreigner foreigners in that day were considered unclean. Can you imagine that? Like, I'm the pastor, and you know, you're, you're from Texas, and you come say hello to me after. I can't touch you. You're not, you know. I mean, that's essentially what it was like, okay? So they couldn't touch foreigners. Uh, they could never touch dead bodies. Um, There's was, there was all of these layers of, of staying clean as a priest. One thing to add to that, that they couldn't do, they could, they could never physically touch the money. You say, What are you talking about, JF? That sounds like a really noble thing to do. Pastors shouldn't be touching the money. I'm not talking about that, okay? I mean, they physically couldn't touch the money because the money was Greek and Roman and had pagan uh, gods on the actual money and, and rulers of that day. And if they touched that money, they would become what? they would become unclean. This is a conundrum. This is a problem. The Sadducees had to collect the taxes to pay their bills, but they physically couldn't touch the money. So what would they do? They would hire tax collectors who would go and get the money, the pagan money, from all of the local people. That tax collector would go to the Jewish bank and transfer the money for clean Jewish shekels, bring that money back to the temple, place it at the feet of the Sadducees, at that point, they could now pick up that money and have it for themselves. The problem with the tax collectors, were they were hired by the Sadducees and the religious people, they were hired by the religious people of that day, But because they have touched this money, they were deemed unclean permanently. So for the rest of their life, they were known as unclean. They didn't just stop right there. If they were ever physically touched by somebody else, whether it was their friend or their family, that person was deemed unclean permanently as well. In fact... When these tax collectors who were doing the church's work would go about the public, they would walk through the marketplace, they would say, there he comes, he's unclean, stay away from him, he's dirty. And so these tax collectors were labeled as sinners and working with pagans and all of these types of things. And so these were the sinners. These were the ones who were looked down on. And so with that context here, let's go back to the text. It says Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him for he was about to pass through that way. The question is, why didn't Zacchaeus just stand in front of the crowd because he was considered unclean. He had to always be conscious about staying away from people so that he wouldn't get them unclean. He was shunned. He was looked down on, and not even really by his own doing. This point is called narration because Zacchaeus is a lot like some of us in this room this morning. Maybe you've been labeled improperly. Maybe you grew up in the church, something happened there, something that you didn't sign up for, and because of that, you were labeled improperly by religious people or by somebody else, and you've carried that your whole life. And the very fact that you're even sitting in here today, you, you can't even wrap your head around it because the people you grew up with knew you as something that you never intended to be that you that that you never set out to be no fault of your own and this is the conundrum this is the thing that Zacchaeus finds himself in here maybe they've they've shamed you they've spoken words over you and the message of Jesus in his interaction with Zacchaeus here is so many things but one of those is never to let anyone else tell your story Don't let anybody else narrate your story today. Jesus wants to tell you the grand story, the plan that he has for you. He, in conjunction with you, is writing your story. And don't let somebody else do that for you. When he calls you, what he says about you, his narration, why did he come? To be a part of your story, your story today. Here's the second area of Zacchaeus' story that I want us to look at. Write this down, that is Jesus' invitation. So part of that why is the narration, but here's the second part and that is the invitation. How many of you know that an invitation is really important to understand? Because if you get the invitation wrong, or you interpret it wrong, it can be a whole mess for you. I uh, mentioned I I grew up here in Tacoma. When I was 17 years old, my, uh, my parents took over a church in Miami, Florida, all the way from Tacoma, all the way to Miami, I'm 17, going into my senior year of high school, and my dad uproots our family from here, takes us to Miami, and we know nothing about that city, that culture, we didn't realize that it was one of the most diverse cities in all of the world, um, and uh, one one group of folks that live in this in South Florida, in the Miami area, are Hispanic people. And I love Hispanic people. Got any Hispanic people in the room today? Let's go, absolutely. And I remember my parents just because they 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 didn't know what we were doing. We're kind of shell shocked. I ended up doing my senior year in a. Cuban high school. So here's JF, grew up right off of Jackson Avenue, you know, ran the streets of university place. (laughs) And now I'm in this all Cuban high school in the city of Miami, and I'm just like shell-shocked. In fact, the students actually called me gringo. They're like, "Hey, hey, gringo, you know, I'm like is this a movie or something? I mean, it was, it was the crazy, so, so not only am I the new kid in school, I'm a senior in high school, and I'm, I'm known as gringo, right? So, so it, was, it was pretty well. But they were all really friendly. They were trying to include me, and they had kind of their own culture and their own vibe, and I loved it. I loved the food. I love everything about the Cubanos. I love it. And, um, and I can remember uh, they were trying to you know, make me feel a part of them. Super nice. I mean, I'll never forget. One of them said, hey, gringo, do you, do you want to come to my sister's 15th birthday um, this Saturday at our house? And I was like, of course. I don't have no friends. I'm just doing whatever I can to fit in. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm selling out. I'm like, I would love that. Well, you're invited. It's, it's, she's turning 15. It's going to be a big party. It's going to be out by our pool. And I was like, you got a pool? Yeah, we got a pool. You're going to love it. And, uh, you know, just, just be there at, at, at 3 o'clock. It'll, it'll kind of run into the evening, but you, you're, you're going to love it, right? And I'd been in Miami for like maybe two weeks, right? And I, I, and I sold out to the beach, bro. I'm telling like, I was just like, that was my deal. If I wasn't in school, I was at the beach, you know? And I can remember, I'm like, cool, I told my mom. I got invited to someone, well, what's, what's, what's the deal? Well, I don't know, it's by the pool. It's gonna be awesome. And she's like one of my friend's sisters. It's her 15th birthday, you know? And, and the thing that I didn't understand was, I wasn't just going to some girl's 15th birthday. I was going to what's known as a quinceanera. And a quincenetta is when a girl becomes a woman. And it's kind of a big deal. And I can remember I headed out thinking I'm going to the pool party. And I get to their house and I knock on the door, and I've got <laughs> I've got swim trunks on with flamingos tank top, sandals, and my towel, s- sunglasses, and they open the door, and I kid you not, you can call my mom, true story, they're in tuxedos, <laughs> and formal dresses, and I, I was like, this is the wrong house, I'm not, I'm not at the right, and they said, and they said, ah, oh, they said Gringo, <laughs> they start going crazy. They're like, what would you think you were coming to a pool? Well, you said it was going to be by, well, of course it's going to be by the pool, but we're not swimming. I said, oh, I'm getting out of here. They're like, no, you're not. You're coming to the party just like that. So I ended up at this quinceanera party. Everyone's in suits, and the, the girl, she's in a formal dress, and there's JF in his board shorts, and I was just mocked and laughed at all, all night, all night. You know what I love about that story, though? Is that based on the way I arrived, I could have been rejected. Because the rules required formal dress. And essentially, I showed up, and they could have interpreted that as just sheer disrespect, sheer disregard for their family and their culture. And you know what they did? They showed grace. (laughs) They said, this gringo, man. (laughs) You know what? He can come in just the way he is. Just the way he is. And I was thinking about that in relationship to this story and relationship to some of you who feel like you have to be a certain way to approach the throne of God. That you have to literally like clean yourself up before you go to him. But it's quite the opposite. Je- Je- Jesus has come unto me, all of you who are a mess, who are, a wor- who, who, who are wearisome, who are heavy laden, heavy burdened with your brokenness, with your addiction, with your pain, with your flamingo shorts on. And I will receive you just the way you are. This is who we serve. And this is exactly what takes place here as Jesus is is approaching Zacchaeus, Jesus' invitation. Let's go back to the text. It says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. First of all, I love that Scripture is clear that Jesus saw him in a crowd where so many people were calling out for attention. Jesus, this was the rock star rabbi of the day. Touch my head. Ah." And Jesus his eyes were drawn to a little unclean man. And Jesus, Jesus sees him. Do You remember that movie, remember the movie a few years back, Avatar? That movie Avatar? Do you, do you remember how in that movie, the most uh, beautiful sign of endearment is that they would stand right in front of each other with their eyes and they would look and they, and they would say, I see you. I, I see you. What, what were they communicating to each other? I know you. You are mine. I, I, I see past all of the brokenness of who you are. All the pain that you've caused me in my own life. I look past all of that and I see you. And this is what Jesus says to Zacchaeus. He sees him and he says, I'm going to your house. Some of you need to hear that today, that Jesus sees you. God sees you and desires to be in relationship with you. The God of the universe stops and looks up in a tree, and I promise you Zacchaeus was not expecting that. He thought he'd be looked over like every other time. In fact, he thought he maybe would be even condemned By another religious person. And Jesus says, no, no, I see you. I'm coming. Then what Jesus says to Zacchaeus is beyond scandalous. Here's this rabbi, and he's inviting himself to an unclean man's home. This is crazy. Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' uncleanliness and his brokenness and his pain question is, how will you respond? How will you respond today? Zacchaeus responded in a way so clearly that showed his heart. As we continue to read here, verse 6, and he, you'll see it on the screen, and he, being Zacchaeus, hurried. How, how many of you know when you, when you get acceptance, from Jesus, you, you you don't you don't just call. Oh, let me. I'll get. Down. Oh, give me a second. No, no, no. When you when you experience the love of Jesus, His accepting love, all you want to do is run to Him. You want to jump into His arms like my four year old does to me every time I walk through the door. It says Zacchaeus. He hurried and came down, and he received Him, being Jesus. He received Jesus gladly when they. Who's they? The Sadducees, that crowd. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He's gone. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. How many of you are thankful? (laughs) How many of you are thankful that Jesus met you in the middle of your sin? Invited himself into your mess? If you receive Jesus and his love and his plans, the life that he has for you, the grace that he has for you, for if you receive his forgiveness, just like Zacchaeus, there will be some people in your life who are royally ticked off. There are going to be some people that you thought were your homies, your friends, that because of this new life that you've accepted, it will make them mad. The question is, what will you do with his invitation? Here's the third area as the band comes back, and that is Jesus' salvation. Why did he come ultimately? He came to bring salvation to a broken, dying, hurting world. Verse 8, chapter 19, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. I love how immediately we see Zacchaeus' heart here. Then Jesus says something pretty unexpected. He says something that Zacchaeus probably blew his mind. Look what he says here. And Jesus said to him today... Salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. You see, in this statement, Jesus says two things here to Zacchaeus. Number one, he calls him a son of Abraham. And I guarantee you, Zacchaeus probably had never heard that term of dignity, of honor, to be called out as a son of Abraham, Whew. wow, that's who you call me? So he gives him dignity, he gives him honor. He says, "You are Zacchaeus, you are a son of Abraham. Especially since he's been a tax collector. And then Jesus does a play on words here. Let's look at the verse again. It says, and Jesus said to him, today salvation, underline that, has come to this house because he too, is a son of Abraham. In the original language, that word salvation is actually salvation of God. What is, what is salvation of God in Hebrew? It's Yeshua. Yeshua. It's Jesus. Jesus is your salvation. He's, he's the only way. And just like Zacchaeus, he has called you, he's called you out. He's he's inviting himself and saying, if you just open the door, I'm, I'm ready to come in. Receive my salvation today. And then we end with the verse. Now knowing that whole story, Jesus finishes this interaction that he has by saying really as loud as he probably could, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In that one statement, Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. In the, same, in, in the one statement, he literally gives hope to Zacchaeus and he reprimands the priests. In fact, he's quoting out of the book of Ezekiel chapter 34. Go home and read it tonight. In, in Ezekiel 34, uh, God is literally rebuking the priests because they've completely lost sight of what he had called them to do. And Jesus Jesus takes takes out that passage of scripture that every one of these priests would have already had memorized and he he flips it up he gives hope to Zacchaeus he brings dignity and love cleansing to Zacchaeus and he chastises the Sadducees all in one statement and what I love about that is that Jesus always comes to our aid always speaks in our behalf. He goes before us is what the scripture says. He fights our battles, but you have to allow him. You have to allow him to take control. Why did he come? He came to help you with your story, his narration. He came with an invitation and he came full of salvation for me and for you. Will you bow your heads? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.